0: Reviews of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and the latest remake of Peter Pan, along with all the scoop of upcoming movies during the rest of the month of May, on this episode of the Movies Past Present Podcast. Past and Present Podcast. It's May 15th, 2023, and this is episode 104. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. So new in theaters this weekend, uh, as in May 19th, we've got Fast X, which is the 10th film in the Fast and Furious saga that the folks at Universal's uh, Pictures like to call it. Um, This launches uh, the final chapters. Now, what I understood, it was supposed to be two parts, but Vin Diesel said that it's actually going to be a trilogy. So we've got this film and then two more with his current cast or storyline or whatever. Whatever you want to call it, uh, but you know this this has been uh, this this franchise has been going on for a long time. It's it's a uh, super popular. It's now in its third decade at, with the same core cast and characters as when it began, which is you know pretty impressive. Uh, I think that. The film quality is really diminished, (laughs) but we'll see what happens with Fast X. So uh, the press materials say over many missions and against impossible odds, Dom Toretto, who's played by Vin Diesel, of course, and his family have been, uh, excuse me, half outsmarted, not been outsmarted. Um, They've outsmarted, outnerved and outdriven every foe in their path. Now they confront the most lethal opponent they've ever faced, a terrifying threat emerging from the shadows of the past who is fueled by blood revenge and who is determined to shatter this family and destroy everything and everyone that Dom loves forever. So, uh this villain is rooted in uh the film Fast 5, which was the fifth Fast and Furious film, um was released in 2011, where Dom and his crew took out uh, a Brazilian drug pin named Hernan Reyes and totally messed up his empire uh, based in uh, out of Rio de Janeiro. What they didn't know was that Rea's son, Dante, who in this new film Fast 10 or Fast X is being played by Jason Momoa, he witnessed it all and has spent the last 12 years masterminding a plan to make Dom pay the ultimate price. Um, Dante's plot will scatter Dom's family from Los Angeles to Rome, uh, from Brazil to London, and from Portugal to Antarctica. They're going all over the world, people. Um, new allies will be forged, and old enemies will resurface. But everything changes when Dom discovers that his own eight-year-old son uh, is the ultimate target of Dante's vengeance. So, this film is directed by Louis Leterrier. I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, who's got some cred? You know, he he uh, directed the... Uh, the ver- the Edward Norton version of the Incredible Hulk a while back. Uh, and anyway, I think I think he's a uh, could could be legit. This is his first fast, you know, first film in this in this uh, particular series. And of course, uh, all of the regulars are back. There's Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Gibson, um, Ludacris, uh, Jordana Brewster, Soon Kang, Jason Statham. Um, you know, John Cena who, who came in, in the ninth film as Dom, uh, Tretto's long lost brother, um, Scott East was back. Helen Mirren, Charlize Theron, I mean, holy cow. um, yeah, this movie's probably gonna be super long too, with all these characters and all these plot lines, but they've also got some new team members, or some new cast members joining for this film, Brie Larson is is uh in the film she is a rogue representative from the agency um, that's what Kurt Russell was was who he was from uh, and the films he was in recently with the series uh, Danielle Melchior is a Brazilian street racer with a powerful tie to Dom's past and you know which is this was a big surprise to me but Rita Moreno is joining uh, the team. She plays Dom and Mia's uh, grandmother, Abuelita Toretto. So, anyway, this film is going to be big and overblown. I just hope it's fun. I-, I just feel like these last Fast and Furious movies, they, I mean, clearly, you know, they jump the shark in around, you know, number six or seven. They're just that, just so crazy and the plots are almost like it's a James Bond movie rather than just a street racer crime film which you know the first ones were when and I thought were so much more fun um but anyway we'll we'll see and of course I'm going cuz there's cars in it too and I love the cars but uh Fast X or Fast 10 whatever you want to call it is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association for intense sequences of violence and action, language, and some suggestive material. Uh, I will be seeing this film before I record my next podcast, so I will definitely uh, post a review, and uh, I'll be anxious to hear what you think, too. Let me know. You can give me some feedback on my Instagram, uh, which is at moviespap, as in past and present. So uh, we got a lot of films that are actually going to be opening up Next weekend too. Oh, one last thing about Fast and Furious or Fast, Fast X, Fast Ten. Um, I'm also planning to see it in IMAX. So, uh, one interesting thing about this summer is that there are so many movies coming out that typically the window to see a movie in IMAX is short. It's either going to be a week or possibly two weeks, just depending on the movie. So check your check your local listings. But if you want to see an IMAX, you'd need you'll need to act on it early when the film comes out so starting next week we've got we've got a few films opening up uh, the first one is uh, Disney's The Little Mermaid this is of course a remake of the uh, wonderful 1989 animated film uh, it's a uh, you know a musical uh, no duh Uh, And they've done it with with, uh, live actors and and a ton of CGI. Uh, It's the story of Ariel, a beautiful and spirited young mermaid with a thirst for adventure. She is the youngest of King Trine's daughters and uh, the most defiant. And she has a big curiosity about the world above the sea, the human world. Uh, She... uh, through, you know, events in the film, uh, meets a prince, uh, Prince Eric, and uh, falls in love with him, and she makes a deal with the evil sea witch Ursula, uh, who gives her a chance to experience life on land, but ultimately places her life and her father's crown uh, in jeopardy. So uh, one of the things that I... I mean, typically, you know, I'm totally against these Disney live-action remakes, because if I want to watch The Little Mermaid, I'll watch The Little Mermaid. But they always spend a ton of money on them, and I think because they make a ton of money. Well, you know, my guess is this thing's going to make a billion dollars in, like, the first month uh, of, its, of its run. Um, and the one thing I, at least I'm happy about for this particular film is that they hired uh, a young woman to play Ariel who actually can sing. That's, you know, when they, when they did their, they meaning Disney, when they did their live action version of Beauty and the Beast a few years ago, that thing was so atrocious because they hired people who couldn't sing. And of course, wonderful production values and they just threw a ton of money at it. But, oh, it just drove me crazy to hear just these fantastic songs all done with, you know, on auto-tune because the actors couldn't sing. Um, anyway, oh, that was frustrating. But if you've heard, uh, her name's Hallie Bailey It's the actress who plays Ariel. If you've heard her sing part of your world, I just, uh, I just loved it. I'll fully admit it. I just thought it was beautiful. And so I will put that, I will put that video on, uh, in the podcast notes on my blog so you can check it out. And 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 I highly recommend it. At least just listen to that, even if you don't go to the movie. But they, they they've got a big cast going on. So um, Jonah Howard King plays Prince Eric, and I don't know him. Uh, Tony Award winner David Diggs, uh, he's the voice of Sebastian. Uh, comedian and actress Aquafina is the voice of Scuttle. Jacob Tremblay is the voice of Flounder. Uh, and uh, Javier Bardem plays King Triton, and Melissa McCarthy is playing Ursula the Sea Witch. So, uh, a great cast is directed by Rob Marshall. Now, R- Rob Marshall's got some chops too. You know, he directed that fantastic uh, filmed version of the musical Chicago. Uh, he also directed Mary Poppins Returns, which I thought was legit too, as it was a, ni- a, ni- a nice film. Um, it's got a screenplay by two-time Oscar nominee David McGee, who wrote The Life of Pi and Finding Neverland, which are again I think two fantastic films. So again, we'll see what he does with the script. I know that I'm sure that they've changed some stuff, and it's probably going to make purists mad, myself included. But we'll just see, you know, how how it goes. And, you know, songs by Alan Menken. And Alan Menken's back. He's been involved with the process. Uh, And then, of course, the wonderful lyrics uh, that Alan Menken uh, worked on or, you know, wrote with with, uh, or teamed up with Howard Ashman. Uh, But then also they've added some new songs. And Lin-Manuel Miranda is the one who wrote the lyrics. So uh, my guess is going to be like rapping Scuttle or, excuse me, rapping uh, Sebastian and some other things, but it's fun that Lin Manuel Miranda is involved. You know, he this was his favorite film as a kid, and uh, he named his firstborn Sebastian, as you you know as you probably already know. But anyway, that'll be fun to have him involved, and we'll just see again if it's if it's any good. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm ever hopeful that the Little Mermaid is going to be. That it's gonna be decent, but again, I don't know why we just have to have all these remakes. It's just frustrating. With a company that's got so much creative talent that Disney doesn't and, and, and all they're doing is remaking previous films that don't need to be remade. I wish they'd remake stuff that like sucked, you know? Like The Black Hole or or some other movies that you know could use a remake. But anyway, I'm not the one calling the shots. So this remake of The Little Mermaid is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for action peril and some scary images. And again, I'm going to put a link to the Part of Your World video uh, on on the, in the podcast notes on my blog. Uh, also opening up on May 26th in theaters is a, first is a comedy called About My Father. It stars Sebastian uh, Maniscalco. And I hope I'm saying Sebastian's name right. Um, or it's Manny Sc- uh, Scalco. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I speak Italian, dude. You should admit that. <laughs> I'm butchering his name. Um, Robert De Niro, Leslie Bibb, Andrews Holm, uh, and Kim Cattrall, among others. So um, Sebastian uh, Maniscalco is... Uh, he's a comedian. He's he's an Italian-American. He's um, released a bunch of comedy specials. He's also had some supporting film roles. He was in the film Green Book f- from 2018. You know, the film, The One Best Picture. He was in The Irishman. But anyway, uh, this comedy film, uh, he, he, uh, he plays the son of Robert De Niro. And... Uh, the, f- the film centers around how Sebastian uh, uh, brings his dad along with a weekend get-together with um, his fiance's super super-rich and exceedingly eccentric family. The weekend develops into what can only be described as a culture clash, leaving Sebastian and his dad to discover that the great thing about family is everything about family. It uh, I'll, I'll have a link to the, this trailer also in the podcast notes on my blog. And, I, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm not familiar with Sebastian's work. I've never seen his stand-up. And I've just seen this trailer a couple of times. So it, you know, it could be funny. It kind of reminded me of like a Meet the Parents uh, type film. And, again, it could be funny. It could be just kind of derivative and not funny. Or it could also go in kind of a gross out. Um uh, you know, thing. So it's rated PG 13 by the Motion Picture Association for suggested material, language, and partial nudity. So there you have that. Uh, also opening on May 26th is a comedy called You Hurt My Feelings. This is from writer, director, Nicole. Uh, Holofsener, and I'm so, hope, oh, uh, or Holofsener, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I just said it the same way. Uh, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your name, and so sorry, Nicole. Uh, but it's starring Julia Louis Dreyfus, Tobias Menzies, uh, David Cross, Amber Tamlin, uh, and others. And it is, uh, an adult comedy, uh, I think about a couple working through uh, some issues. I'll put a I'll put a link to the trailer, or just, actually it's actually just going to be you know an embedded video in the podcast notes on my blog, so you can you can watch this trailer if you're interested. Uh, I believe this movie played at Sundance this year, and uh, A24 picked it up if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it looks it looks promising. You know, again, if you like that sort of thing, you know, again, it just looks like a uh, uh, a comedy drama for ups with with uh, you know excellent acting and a, and a witty, thought provoking script. Um, you heard my feelings is rated R by the Motion Picture Association for language, so um, it's probably just f bomb central. But uh, anyway, there you have that. Uh, also opening up is a film called Kandahar. And I saw this on the calendar. I've never heard of it. I haven't seen any trailers for it, although I found one on YouTube. And, again, I'll put that in the podcast notes on my blog. Uh, it's an action movie starring Gerard Butler. He plays an undercover CIA operative who is stuck in hostile territory in Afghanistan. I also don't know if this is based on a true story or, or if this is, this, is, this is fictional, too. So, anyway, um, after his mission is exposed... Uh, he, meaning Gerard Butler, the character that he plays, must fight his way out alongside his Afghan translator to an extraction point in Kandahar, all while avoiding elite enemy forces and foreign spies tasked with hunting them down. It looks like it's a you know a, a action movie. It looks pretty dramatic. Um, you know, my guess is everybody dies, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, uh, that's, you know, coming from pure ignorance, but, uh, Kandahar is rated R by the Motion Picture Association for violence and language. And then, uh, finally opening up on next Friday, May 26 or a week from Friday, May 26th, is this film called The Machine. Now, I've seen trailers for it and posters, and, um, it's a vehicle for comedian Bert Kreischer. And again, I'm hope I'm pronouncing his name right too. I'm probably three for three, but, uh, he, uh, I first became familiar with him from a comedy show called Bert the conqueror. And, uh, which was like, I believe it was like on the travel channel and he'd go on these trips, reduce kind of some of this crazy stuff. Um, His nickname is The Machine. And, uh, you know, according to the font of all truth, Wikipedia, I'm just going to go ahead and read this little bio about him. In 1977, excuse me, yeah, in 1997, excuse me, he was featured in an article in Rolling Stone while he was attending Florida State University. The magazine named him the top partier at the number one party school in the country. The article also served as an inspiration for the 2002 f- National Lampoon film, Van Wilder. Uh, Kreischer has served as a host, of course, on these shows. As I mentioned, Birth of the Conqueror. He's also on a show called Trip Flip. Um, and anyway, and then, of course, now they've made this comedy film based on his life. So uh, he, in his stand-up, uh, In his signature set, recounts his true experience with Russian mobsters while on a booze-soaked college trip. So now, 23 years later, that trip has come back to haunt him. As he and so again, this is I think that's where 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 they're basing the film on is this part, which is fictional, but you know they're playing up for comedy. Now, 23 years later, that trip has come back to haunt him as he and his estranged father, who's played by Mark Hamill, are kidnapped back to Russia. By the mob to atone for something they say he did. Together, Bert and his father must retrace the steps of his younger self in the midst of a war within a sociopathic sociopathic crime family, all while attempting to find common ground in their oft-fraught relationship. So, um, you know, it basically, uh, a a summary of it, and excuse my French, I'll just quote a Bert Kreischer kicking ass, Mark Hamill on speed. Um, grab your tickets now to the Machine movie. Um, and then, also, uh, I guess on May 25th, they're doing some sort of a special thing with a live pre-show with, with Burt Kreischer. So you might want to check your list to listen to that if you're a Burt Kreischer fan. So um, this film is rated R by the Motion Picture Association. Shocking for strong violence, pervasive language, drug use, and some sexual references. Um, you know, again, the, the episodes I saw of Burt the Conqueror were kind of entertaining. I didn't just love them. I'm not familiar with his, the signature set or anything else about it. Uh, in fact, seeing the post and stuff, I was a little confused because I just was just wondering, is this a stand-up special? <laughs> you know, <laughs> put out in theaters or, uh, or what? But it looks like it's kind of a combination uh, of, of both his reality and then maybe a, a high concept. Uh, thing about the modern day stuff with Mark Hamill so anyway uh, there you have it uh, so Fast X or Fast 10 this Friday May 19th and then on May 26th again that's Labor Day weekend and the real start of summer um, we've got the Little Mermaid about my father you hurt my feelings Kandahar and the machine <music> All right, well, in reviews, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got two movies that I'll be reviewing. First up will be uh, uh, a new one of these, you know, speaking of these live-action remakes, uh, this one went straight to Disney+, Plus, for which we can be grateful. Uh, but it's a remake of the Peter Pan story. It's Peter Pan and Wendy. Now, uh, this film is, you know, I guess... I was I mean I, it, it had never been anything but reported to be going straight to Disney plus so so it's not something that that was like a last minute decision to uh, put it you know there rather than going in the theater uh, It's directed by and and written or co-written by David Lowry and David Lowry uh, he's he's an American writer and director uh, he directed. A really i thought a really thoughtful uh remake speaking of of disney's pete's dragon and he turned kind of this flashy musical into more of a really kind of a uh dramatic piece about a uh you know this a, a young boy um and and uh you know the challenges of his life i i i thought it was it was really interesting. He also directed The Green Knight, which came out in twenty twenty one. That's not a film that I had seen, but anyway, an interesting director with a very strong visual style, and you know, seemingly a, you know, a kind of a deft touch. Given that I thought the very nice job he did with that Pete's Dragon film, um, sadly, I have to report that this film is is I thought pretty. Um, I thought it was pretty rotten. It uh so of course, true to the Peter Pan legend and and the classic story by JM uh, JM Barry uh or Barry again, however you pronounce it. Uh I'm kind of fired with the pronunciations of this episode. Thanks for putting up with me. Uh he uh you know creates this new he being David Lowry creates this, you know, new retelling of it, but it's classic in in that it's got you know Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Bell, um, Wendy, John, and Michael Darling. Uh, you know, they fly off to Neverland. Um, there's you know, and then of course all the all the characters, Captain Hook and Mister Smee, and uh, it's it, etc. The things that I, again that I. So I, I love, one of my favorite films from Walt Disney Animation Studios is their 1953 animated version of Peter Pan. Now, sure, I know there's some issues with cultural sensitivities, and uh, uh, I get that, uh, and, you know, sorry about it, but I think it's still just an absolutely... Delightful, entertaining—you know, wonderful film. It's a musical; the songs are great. This new one decides opt- not to be a musical, and so I guess in a way, and they use a couple of musical themes that get inserted into the into the soundtrack, but uh, it's 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 just not it's just not a musical. And I think maybe that could be problem number one. I don't know if it would have been necessarily great that they redid. The songs from the you know from this 1953 film, but they kind of need it. Um, it's really dry and, and boring. I you know I thought, and uh, while while I guess from the trailers I thought this his the cinematography and the, and the production design and art direction looked kind of muted and interesting with the color palette that they chose to use. Looking at it. For you know, the duration of the film, it was really drab. Really, you know, Neverland is not the colorful, wonderful place uh, that that uh, you know, you know. I I'm, I imagine it to be both from this, you know, all the different versions of Peter Pan, the stage plays and whatnot, and of course the great Disney animated version. This just looks like it's. Um, somewhere in in the UK that, um, you know, like Wuthering Heights or something. (laughs) Kind of of depressing, (laughs) depressing place um, uh, like that. Uh, And also it makes me sad, particularly with... uh, So Jude Law was cast as Captain Hook, which I thought was a great choice. And Jim, comedian Jim Gaffigan as Mr. Smee. And what... I was most excited about with the two of their casting. They that was, I think, again a real disappointment. Uh, probably because of the again the writing and the direction. But I did not think Jude Law was a good Captain Hook, and and Jim Gaffigan was definitely not a good Mister. Smee. It was just it wasn't funny. Uh, did not play on. I didn't. I just didn't think it played on either of their strengths. And, and and it was depressing, and I'll, I'll keep this spoiler free in case you want to suffer through it. But um, I was really disappointed in uh, the you know with these films, they always have to add like some kind of tragic backstory. So we get this more of a backstory now, at least this you know this particular film's interpretation of where Captain Captain Cook, or Captain Hook's origins which just frankly just made me roll my eyes. And 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 I had already been losing interest because vi- visually wasn't interesting, and I didn't really love the performances or the, the script. And then when that was revealed, it was just thought, oh, dear, you know, get me through this. So um, I thought Peter Pan and Wendy was a dud. And uh, if you want to watch Peter Pan, I, my, you know, again, my favorite is the uh, 1953 version from Walt Disney Animation Studios. But... Um, You know, I think some of the musical versions have been fun, particularly like the Mary Martin uh, version that was done on Broadway with great songs by Julie Stein. Uh, Again, that's not Disney, but uh, still it's fantastic. Uh, Anyway, uh, so Peter Pan and Wendy uh, on Disney Plus, watch it at your own risk. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, finally, in reviews, is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So this uh, film is. No duh. The third Guardians of the Galaxy film, written and directed again by James Gunn. He directed the other two, and wrote the other two. And you know these characters have been through a lot. We've seen these characters in other Marvel films. Of course, they've been uh, they showed up in those Avengers movies. Um, they showed up briefly in the last Thor <laughs> film, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. I thought they had a pretty funny they had a pretty funny cameo. Uh, but this is, this, 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 uh, this is, I thought a very, I thought it was a very good film. So, uh, this will be spoiler free, but if you didn't get it from, and I guess they weren't just necessarily pushing it with the trailers, but this film, and really the whole trilogy, honestly, is, is, has been about Rocket, Rocket the Talking Raccoon. So... This this film really dives into the backstory of how Rocket became Rocket, and basically it's the doing of a nefarious um, uh, person doing genetic experiments uh, with a very nefarious purpose, and and uh, he uh, so that all that all gets uh, explored in this film. So the real star it really is is a uh, Bradley Cooper who voices Rocket but also i think that the animators who who uh, who did the cgi work on you know on on bringing rocket to life are terrific they, they i think they've done such a nice job such a nice job with him now as you can imagine and it kind of got alluded to you know in the previous guardians movies it wasn't just in your face, but you know there was a. I don't remember for sure in the in the in the first film, you see Rocket and he's not wearing any clothes uh, at one point, and there's he's got stuff on his body that looks like you know he's been you know some something's, something's been going on, and of course that only makes sense because he's this talking walking raccoon. You know? uh, anyway, who's quite capable. Um, but, uh, this, this film. So anyway, so rocket in this film, how his, how, you know, how he comes to be, uh, is definitely through some, so through animal cruelty, right? That by these people that are doing these, uh, experiments on him and on other animals. So I think there's been some real sensitivity, um, from from people who have seen this film and either just hadn't really paid attention or just thinking it was gonna be kind of more goofy fun like like some of the other uh, you know themes or, or or things with the other two films. And there is that component. There's a lot of fun there's a lot of humor uh, and a lot of great interaction with these with these actors. but it's this is about rocket and and there are scenes of CGI. Animal abuse, so so, just you know, buyer beware uh, about that. If, if if you've got some sensitivity, uh, or again, if that's something that, 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 could, be, um, that could be that you could that you could find upsetting, because it's not necess- I mean, it's not easy to watch. I mean, they're not real animals, but still, you know, suffering and that kind of cruelty in any in any regard is isn't isn't cool. But I I again, you know. Ultimately, for me, it's really about about you know about I guess the quality of the film and the storytelling, and I thought the storytelling was just excellent in this. Uh, Gamora is back, you know the, the the green skinned woman played by Zoe Saldana, and I'll keep it a, again spoiler free, um, but that's that's an in- interesting plot. But really, each of these characters have got are going through interesting. Uh, interesting stuff probably the one who's going through the least stuff is Groot <laughs> you know the the walking tree voiced by Vin Diesel who really has only the one line you know he says you know in multiple variations that I am Groot but uh uh you know Mantis is is in this and she's she's got an interesting story and uh, Drax Nebula uh and uh and again these actors are great I think that that a Dave Bautista is particularly funny, but also so is Karen Gillian as Nebula, and Pom, um, Clemente as Mantis uh, is, is uh, really, really great, too. And then, you know, really the star of the show, Chris Pratt, right, as Peter Quill slash Star-Lord. Um, he's terrific. So uh, great, great special effects. I had read that there were s- s- lots and lots of... Um, different masks used. So I think some of the stuff is CGI, but there's also a lot of practical makeup uh, used in this film. So the production values are good. And ultimately, I thought it was a really fitting end to an interesting trilogy. I think the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy has been weird and fun and interesting. Uh, This film definitely earns its PG-13 rating. So, you know... Pay attention to that, if because uh, because uh, it's you know it's PG thirteen, so it's 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 not PG. But uh, I I would highly recommend Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I thought it was you know great sci fi, fun uh, superhero film, uh, poignant, touching, and and a and a great way to end up a, a very unique uh, movie trilogy. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at MoviesPassandPresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Links are also on the blog. And follow me on Instagram. My handle is at MoviesPAP, as in past and present. As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.